Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Verse 3, chapter 30, she said, Here's my maid Bilhah. Go into her, sleep with her, that she may bear on my knees. If you're wondering what that means, if you have a New American Standard, it means on my behalf that through her I too may have children. So here's what happens. Rachel has a maid. Her name is Bilhah. I don't know where she got that name, but anyway, we won't go there tonight. But if you have the NIV, it says, here is Bilhah, my maidservant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me so that through her I too can build a family. So she gave him her maid Bilhah as a wife. This is the idea of the concubine now or the proxy wife. In ancient days when a woman could not bear children for her husband, they would bring often a maidservant in, and this was kind of just the cultural way they did things, and she would bear children for her mistress or the one she served. And so some people might say that this is the marital ethics of Mesopotamia, meaning that this is what the pagans did, and the Jewish people just seemed to follow the pagan lead, and I will comment and say that whenever we're following the world's lead on marital ethics, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. But anyway, she gave her maid Bilhah as a wife, and you have to imagine, you know, with no television, no internet, I would venture a guess, a strong speculation, that Rachel was familiar with the story of Abraham and Sarah. And, you know, they were getting on in years, and so finally Sarah said, hey, take my maid who? Hagar, because, you know, we got <laughs> to help out God here. And who was born through that union? Ishmael. And we've been able to track a lot of problems in the Middle East from that, that uh, fleshly venture. And so she gave her maid Bilhah as his wife, and Jacob knew the story. I mean, this was his grandpa. Abraham was Jacob's grandpa. He knew the story. He knew. I'm sure Abraham said, Oi, if there's one thing I can share with you, this is it. Don't get ahead of God. Don't do things. Wait on God. Wait on God. You know, grandpa can tell you that all day long, but it seems like grandsons often need to learn the hard way. And so Jacob, the great patriarch, uh, slept with her. That's what the Bible says. You know, that's what Abraham did as well. Uh, Hagar, go ahead and, you know, be with Hagar. And Abraham, the great man of faith, said, okay. <laughs> and Jacob did the same thing. And now we have another woman in the mix. Do you know that the 12 tribes of Israel come from four different women? <laughs> Two of which are maidservants who are brought in to bear the children. Wow, I told you, this is the stuff of talk shows. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son, and Rachel said, verse 6, God has vindicated me. You could put judged me, but I'll explain in a moment what that means. God has vindicated me, verse 6, and has indeed heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore, she named him Dan, that is, in the tribe of Dan. And Dan, in Hebrew, means judge so the word judge in hebrew thought doesn't mean someone who condemns you it could have that idea 
But the main idea of a judge in Hebrew thought, we have a book called the Book of Judges, right? A judge was a protector and a defender of orphans and widows. It's used in that kind of setting in the Hebrew Old Testament. In fact, one writer says, uh, the biblical Hebrew of, of a judge is different from what we think of today. A judge was not the person who condemned. The judge was the one who protected. God says that he is the judge of orphans and widows. In the Hebrew word picture, it shows that the judge is the door or judge is the door of life. When you let God's word judge you, you walk through doors of life instead of doors of death or doors of stumbling. Are you with me? If you let God's word make the call in your life, if you let him judge between what's good and what's evil, you will walk through doors of life instead of dark doors. Everybody with me? That's the Hebrew word here. And so in this context, Rachel's saying, God's vindicated me. He's, he's, he's made things right. I couldn't have children, but I gave my maid, and, and things are good. But things weren't good, because I'm not sure it was God that was vindicating her at all. And later on, the tribe of Dan, there's a prophecy spoken over that tribe. Go to chapter 49, skip ahead for a second, 49, 16. And this prophecy, if I recollect it correctly, is coming from Jacob when he's old. 49.16, here's what he says of Dan. 49.16, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be, 49.17, a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heel so that his rider falls backward. Interesting. Prophecy about Dan, back to, the, to chapter 30 of Genesis. And so uh, you can look up the tribe of Dan. There's a little bit of history that you can find in Bible dictionaries and so forth. But what you can know for sure is that Dan became the northernmost tribe when it was all said and done. And Dan was the closest to the Syrian border. And the history of Israel is that Dan was the most influenced by the pagan practices. In fact, if you go to Israel today, you'll, you'll get a chance to go up uh, on the border of Syria and Israel, which, you know, hopefully things will calm down. But, and you can actually see altars, high places that were built apparently by the tribe of Dan in Israel. And they embraced or imbibed the pagan practices of their neighbors because they were so close to these other countries. And Rachel's maid, Bilhah, 30, verse 7, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son, so two come from her. And Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, here's where my title comes from, the wrestling sisters. With mighty, wrestle, mighty wrestlings or struggle, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali. Naphtali literally means wrestlings or my struggle. Now, who was Rachel struggling against? Her sister. But if I'm calculating the score correctly, she's still losing. <laughs> Leah's had more children come and through her body than Rachel. But Rachel feels good about what's happened, so she's kind of like, aha, Bilhah, yeah. <laughs> I got two kids now, Dan and Naphtali. Now when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid Zilpah. Oh, you thought... You thought it was over, right? You thought, oh, it can't get any uglier, right? And he gave her to Jacob as a wife, as wife. You know, you'd think the sisters were tired by now. Somebody'd wave a white flag. But Leah now responded, oh, yeah, you have Bilhah. Well, I have Zilpah. Ha! 
And Leah's maid Zopah bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad. Now, if you look in your Bible dictionaries or lexicons, Gad, some people say it means troop, but I think it means good fortune, because every time you're gonna see a name, it's actually, the name is actually defined within the verse. So Leah, you know, she gives Zilpah to Jacob. Now there's four women involved. Now another son is born, and she just does it because her sister did it with her maid, and she names the kid Gad, which means good fortune. I win again over my poor, infertile sister. Sad. You know, I don't know if you guys were around when praise choruses were happening, but this is the origin of the praise chorus. He has made me gad, he has made me gad. I will rejoice for he has made me gad. What, you guys don't believe that? <laughs> now, I will tell you this. <laughs> Sometimes in the late afternoon, when I'm studying these passages, I just come up with these things. I cannot tell you how it happens, but I share it with some of the office workers. I say, get this, you guys. Don't you think this is funny? And they give me about the same response as you just gave. Deborah just said it was a speech impediment. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So Leah's maid Zopa bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, Happy am I, for women will call me happy. Now she's fortunate and happy. And so she named him Asher, and Asher does mean happy, and she started to break into a more contemporary song. Yes, I'm happy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but was she happy? I mean, when you get the best of someone and you can kind of kind of put it in their face, yeah, yeah, how about that one? Zilpa, Bilha, Zilpa. You feel good after that? You go home? Fortunate, happy, happy, fortunate. Then people say, what did you accomplish there? I, <laughs> I don't know, but I got the best of her. That's what, one thing I know. And I'm happy. Oh, you are. Now, in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben, maybe... I don't know, my guess four or five years old, Reuben, went out and found mandrakes, I'll explain, in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Now Reuben's the firstborn and Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Now, at first when I read this, I thought it was just a manly rake. <laughs> but that was apparently the wrong interpretation. A manrake actually is commonly found in Palestine and it ripens during the wheat harvest. And just to cut to the chase, here's what it is. The manrake is a small plant with a root that can be pinched into the shape of a man and with a small orange-colored berry-like fruit that can be eaten. For thousands of years from ancient times until relatively modern times, it was regarded as an aphrodisiac or an inducer of fertility. And this belief, though erroneous, alone explains the interest that both Leah and Rachel show in the child Reuben's discovery. So all of a sudden, as the story unfolds, Reuben just comes across this plant that has a history, at least it's wrongly thought, but it's supposed to help women become fertile. And Reuben found it. Mommy, mommy, look what I found. I found a plant. It's pretty. And Leah went, oh, 
you don't know what you found. It's the super vitamin that helps us women be fruitful. You found the man rakes. Some people, uh, one writer actually said that the word for man rakes is close to the word for love in Hebrew. And in the ancient times, they called them love apples. Not kidding. And so I think when Leah saw Rachel, she said, how about those apples? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep. That was the one I thought was the worst. And you guys... <laughs> so, verse 15, as we regather. <laughs> she said to her, it's a small matter for you to take my husband. So let's go back. Let's reset. So Rachel, verse 14, said to Leah, give me some of your son's man rakes. Because, you know, Leah still got, I mean, Rachel still got the problem, right? She's had two sons through the maid, but she hasn't been able to bear any children. So she thinks, ah, we found the solution. She said to her, here's the response. Is it a small matter for you to take my husband? And would you take my son's man rakes also? <laughs> So Rachel said, therefore, now Rachel seems to be in charge here, and this is the reality of it. So basically, Rachel sees the discovery of Reuben. Reuben's Leah's firstborn, but she knows there's something valuable here, so she says, I, I want that. She goes, no, you, Leah says, no, you're not going to have that. You've already taken my husband. Now she's claiming that Jacob's her husband, and we know everything behind that. And now you want the man rakes too? Uh-uh, ain't going to happen, sister. And so Rachel seems to be in charge because she's the more favored one in charge of the tent. Remember, Leah's still in second place. And so she, she throws this out. Rachel says, okay, you may lie with, uh, he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's man rakes. You give me the plants, the aphrodisiac, what will help me be fertile, I'll let him be with you tonight. Wow. Folks, we're reading the Bible. Isn't this something? It's, yeah, it is. So here's Jacob, right? <laughs> Walking through the field. <laughs> Gonna go see Rachel. <laughs> Jacob came in from the field in the evening, and then Leah went out to meet him, and she said, you must come into me, for I have surely hired you with my son's man rakes. <laughs> can, can you imagine me and Jacob like, What? Could you back up a second, woman? Yeah, well, Reuben found the man rakes. <laughs> she said, how about those apples? <laughs> Fired back. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> long story short, you're with me tonight, buddy. <laughs> Jacob's like, all right. <laughs> so, so, you know, Jacob, talk about a guy that just goes with the flow, right? So, Look at the end of verse 16. So, so Jacob said, all right. So he was with her that night. Again, I'm reading the Bible. And God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. So they were together that night. She conceived, and God was behind it. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband, so she named him Issachar, Issachar, Another one of the tribes of Israel means reward. But Leah seems confused because I don't think that this is necessarily all about 
what God's doing, although I will say this, it does say that God gave heed to Leah. So even in the midst of the mess, verse 17 does say that God heeded it. So there was a negotiation, but God still, he gave heed. I take it that she was praying. But she, her conclusion is that God has paid me back for what I did, that I was able to pull this off. And Issachar comes, his name means reward. And Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me. Maybe now he'll be with me. She seems to be reverting back. She had grown some, but now she says, because I've given him six sons, I've borne him six sons, so she named him Zebulun, Zebulun, and his name means honor. But look, Leah, as we watch this story, it doesn't matter if you've given him one, two, four, or six. He's always gonna love Rachel more than you. But you can see the desperation she has. Maybe he'll want to be with me now. Maybe he'll pay more attention to me. And afterwards, she bore a daughter and named her Dinah, the one daughter in the group. And Dinah is a uh, female form of the name Dan, which also means judge. And then, as we wind down for tonight, because we can't take much more, <laughs> God remembered Rachel. And God gave heed to her and opened her womb. Now, apparently, Rachel has now learned to rely upon God because he gave heed to her. And so instead of manipulating, she's starting to pray. And I'll just park here for a second and say to you that this is one of the great discoveries in the Christian life when we stop manipulating and start praying. When we stop forcing our way through things and start paying attention to the God who runs the universe. And so he opened her womb and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. All these years, she felt this stigma, this jealousy, and she cried out to God, and God blessed her. She conceived, she bore a son, and she named him, would you notice verse 24, Joseph, saying, may the Lord give me another son. Now, Joseph means let him add. So again, the name of the, is explained in the verse, give me another, is the name of Joseph, or let him add. So Joseph technically means Jehovah or Yahweh has added and a final son will be added and his name will be the 12th uh, tribe and his name is Benjamin. And he, his birth will be recorded in a chapter I'm gonna take you to as we close. Rachel's reproach finally is removed. Now to Genesis 35. And I want to just read something from my notes and we'll take a peek at this and this will be a preview of what's ahead. Despite all the ugliness, jealousy, manipulation, rivalry, competitions, love potions, God's grace was sprinkled on everything. God would add, Rachel would have another son added and his name would be Benjamin. Interestingly enough, Rachel would die giving birth to Jacob's 12th son. But God was faithful to provide that son nonetheless. For he hears and he knows our pain and he knows our shortcomings. And through all of this, he was going to send through all this mess. The Messiah was coming through this family. The Savior was coming. And Joseph, who is born to Rachel, at the end of this episode, this ugly episode, Joseph will be the primary figure in the latter part of the book of Genesis. If you've ever studied the book, you know that. And Joseph will become a type of Jesus Christ. 
And it is quite amazing to me that through all the messes that we can create in life, all the manipulation, all the things that we do wrong, still God is faithful. This is the family from which Israel comes and the Messiah ultimately comes. And as we look with that in mind to Genesis 35, let me just point out something ahead of us. 35.9, now God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram. And he blessed him. And God said, Genesis 35.10, to him, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. And God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. And the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, give it to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. And then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in that place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a libation on it. He also poured out oil on it. And Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Now skip down to 35 and look at verse, chapter 35, verse 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel, about 11 miles north of Jerusalem. And, they, and when there was still some distance to go to Afrath or Afrathah, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. Now, you guys know that uh, there's a combination used with the name Ephrath, and Bethlehem is, is often called Bethlehem Aphrathah. The combination, Bethlehem means house of bread, bait with lachem, and Aphrathah means fruitful. So Bethlehem, how do we know Bethlehem? Because that's where Jesus was what? He was born in the house of bread, in a place of fruitfulness. Now, take a look. So Rachel, when they had come to this area of Bethlehem, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. And it came about when she was in severe labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear, for now you have another son. God has added, Ben means son. Ben means the life of the family. The family's continued through this son. And it came about, Notice this is spoken of Rachel as her soul was departing. You have a soul, and by the way, it departs when you die, and it goes to one of two places, either to be with God, or you end up in Hades awaiting the second death if you don't know Christ. And she named him Ben-Oni. Ben means son, Oni means sorrow. So Rachel, in her dying moments, is about to call this boy son of my sorrow. But his father called him Ben-Janine, literally means son of the right hand, and he was indeed a favorite son. And so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Afrath, that is what? Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Adir. We'll talk about that when we get there. Here's what I'd like to say to you as we conclude. You know, in a little town called Bethlehem, some major things happened. And one of the first reasons why Bethlehem was well known to the Jewish people was it was known as a place of death. Do you know why it was known as a place of death? Because it was where Rachel died and where her tomb was to that day. And in the place of death, known for death, the death of the matriarch of the family of Israel, the favored one, the one from whom these prominent tribes come 
Do you know that right in Bethlehem, a place known for death in Israel, came the author of life? God is the God of turnarounds. David is anointed in Bethlehem. Uh, the book of Ruth takes place in Bethlehem. The kinsman redeemer is foreshadowed there. And here's the lessons. I taught it a couple Christmases ago. It's this, where there was death, God brings life. Where there was a lack of a leader, God brings a king. And where there was need of redemption, God brings a redeemer. All in Bethlehem, all weaving together the beauty of this tapestry that God takes all the messes that we make and still brings forth the Messiah. Amen? It shows you that, you know, through a family that frankly was messed up, um, comes the Messiah, the hope of all the world. God can take our messes. He can take the things that we, we don't handle well and still exploit them for his good purposes. And indeed, that's the very thing that he did through this, this family where ultimately the Messiah will come from this line. And it gives hope to all of us, folks, that, you know, God knows we're not perfect. He wants us to be governed by him. He wants to change us from the inside out. But it starts with a commitment, a commitment to Jesus Christ. Have you made that commitment in your life? Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you realized that your good works are never going to get you to heaven? You must come on the merits of another, the one who is perfect, the one who never sinned, the one who uh, no unrighteousness was found in him, the one who was innocent, gave his life for you and for me. Man, what a God we serve. Trust in him today. Tell the Lord Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I'm gonna trust you as my Lord and Savior. I'm gonna repent of doing it my way and receive you your finished work on the cross. Um, uh, come into my life, Lord God. Let me be born again of your Holy Spirit. Cry out to him. Don't wait another moment. Let him take control of your life. He'll change you and he'll lead you to green pastures and still waters. This is Living Truth Radio. My name is Pastor Michael Lance. So glad that you've jumped on board. The book of Genesis teaching. We're teaching through the book of Genesis and we happen to be in chapter 30. And uh, as I mentioned, this is a chapter that's kind of funny, but it's, uh, it's just real life stuff. But that's where God works and right in the trenches in real life stuff. And he wants to work in your life right now. He wants to save you and he wants to change you and he wants to give you hope. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener supported ministry and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California 92880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona or to access archived messages, Go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.